This is the Global Digital Banker podcast and this morning I'm joined by Jim Roos. Jim, welcome to London. Hey, great to be here as always. Today we are talking all things disrupt yourself. So what does that actually mean, Jim? Well, there's different levels of that, but we're disrupting the banking industry. We're trying to, and that's why we're all here is talking about disruption of the banking industry, but really... Are we looking internally to change how we view the banking industry? Are we truly disrupting ourselves, our industries, and even on a professional and personal level, are we disrupting ourselves to the point of being able to keep up with change that we're almost taking for granted? I mean, change is happening at such an astounding pace. Well, you know, in the last, you know, four years, we've, we've seen autonomous cars that drive themselves. That's That's, you know, science fiction. We yeah. see rockets that take off and land their own boosters. That's science fiction, but it's happening around us. So sometimes we can get numb by the changes around us mm-hmm. and not be aware of what we have to do to uh, grow accustomed to that, but also to transition ourselves and our organizations to reflect the change that's happening because the consumer is seeing this. The consumer is embracing the change that's around and they expect more of their financial institution and of every engagement they have, both in financial and non-financial industries. Mm. And it's such an interesting topic. You just presented on stage about Banking Transformed, and you mentioned there's a focus on the seamless integration of data, advanced analytics, new technology, like you've just mentioned now, as well as new leadership thinking. What's your perception on how people are going to embrace this change moving forward when there is so much going on? Well, the consumer's going to drive the, the mobile. Mm. Uh, they're, they're going to be in a situation that they're going to say, I want high levels of personalization. Mm. I want proactive thinking and proactive services. I want, I want my financial institution to look out for me, to mm. be aware of what I need in much the same way that the Amazons and the Googles personalize my engagement with theirs to the degree that we pay for the right to shop on mm-hmm. Amazon. In the last four or five years, if you have a, a daughter that's anywhere between the ages of 18 and 32, you would rather have her get in a car of a stranger and be driven home by Uber than to drive themselves home or have a friend drive them home after they've been out on a, on a night on mm. a town. So the reality is our perception of what can be done digitally, what can be done in this world of change is, is expanding tremendously, mm. trying to keep up with that, trying to make it so that every relationship is highly personalized, highly proactive. I don't any longer accept the fact that my bank's going to tell me that something happened yesterday in my account. Mm. I want them to be able to look in the future and say, from the way things look and based on the information we have about you, something's going to happen in the future. Or, or maybe as I walk into a, a tech store, they're going to say, you know what, you probably shouldn't buy that computer or that big screen TV today because based on what we know about you, you have a mortgage payment going. And maybe you can authorize that anyway, but I want them to answer, ask that question. No longer should my, my credit card company say, oh, is this really you overseas? Especially if I use that same credit card to buy the ticket. Mm. I mean, the consumer says, come on, what's yeah, up with you that? Should know. Yeah, it's exactly. And I mean, that's such an interesting point, what you just mentioned about Uber. So people are trusting complete strangers in vehicles as well, Airbnb, staying in a stranger's home. So why is there such a disparity of trust with those sorts of services and then trust with, say, new banking services? Well, I think we're seeing the start of, especially in the UK, of some of the bank disruptors and the disruptor banks mm-hmm. actually starting to get the level of trust that you need to be a financial services partner. So the Monzo, the Starling, some of these other providers 
have now been in existence for four, five, six years. So the reality is, how do you determine when you really have the relationship? It's, it's whether or not you have your, your paycheck deposited to that account. Yes. We're starting to see some disruptive organizations now getting those deposits. Why? Because as you build more tenure, as you do more things right, as you provide a service that people talk about, mm. people say, you know what? I think I'm okay with this. I'm still protected. I'm going to still be insured. But the reality is I now know they're not just going to go out of business. Mm. So what used to be viewed as, yeah, the little guys on the block that get a, a lot of customers in yes. quote marks, yeah. but they're really not relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're getting the relationships. And that's where the transformation is going to take place. And sure, the big banks may not feel the pain yet, mm. but they should be aware that the consumer expects more. And what's happening in most cases, you have consumers that are actually building their own open banking environment. What I mean by that is, I may have my traditional bank as the hub, but I may have a payments company that's different. I may have a lending company that's different. I may have a transaction company or a savings company. I may build relationships around this relationship that take away important parts of what used to be my traditional banking relationship, building these digital integrations off of this hub. And if that's all being done outside the hub, at some point, I'm going to release that relationship from the hub and say, you know what? I'm probably better served by somebody else. Mm. Last year, you said one of the, the biggest trends was around data and analytics. And unless the financial institutions servicing customers can have a view on that and an understanding of what to actually do with that data, it's really hard to service those other things in terms of you know, customer experience and personalization and understanding customer pain points to address those. So when people are having these disbursement of their own financial services with a range of different providers... How do you think banks look to address new age of banking? The use of data analytics is still going to be probably number one for the next year's trends predictions because I think that that's at the foundation and it's still an area that financial institutions haven't done a real good job of. Mm. They continue to collect all this information, but the deployment of that for the consumer's benefit, where the benefit the consumer actually knows it's for their benefit, is still not there. We're finding that data analytics is used a lot more for security that they've always done it for in Mm -hmm. the financial institutions than for a better relationship. The problem is the consumer knows we can do better as as an industry. Mm -hmm. And that is where the challenger banks and the bank challengers are doing really well because they take this information and they use it to deploy a better service. Mm -hmm. And what, what happens is, while it's data analytics, the reality is for digital transformation, when you really look at trying to transform the company to be a digital entity, you need to have that data analytics working for you. Absolutely. And another important element is innovation. Mm -hmm. If you're not an innovative company, if you're doing innovation at the pace of a snail and and maybe doing updates on your mobile banking app once a year or maybe doing updates on your your website uh, maybe once every two years, the reality is consumers look at your, your app or device and you realize how many updates are done continuously by digital companies. Consumers expect continuous improvement that they can see and feel. The problem is we still build things in banking in a very structured way with the big committees and we don't move forward on the little things that make a difference. And you know, when you look at transforming yourself or disrupting yourself, what little changes are you going to make to change the way your organization works, the way you work, and the way you interrelate with the industry? You know, so, and, and also, it's behavioral. 
you know, I, I look, I use diets as a, an example that a diet is simply a, a space and time item that solves a problem over a limited time. The challenge is, are you really going to do things that make it so that you behaviorally within the organization and personally change where it's a life changer, where you really can see the difference and the consumer can feel the difference? Definitely. And I mean, on those trends, I know last year it was very much data and analytics, customer experience. It was more that early stage of open banking. Now it's almost a year and a half on. What are the biggest trends that you're predicting? I think the biggest change we're going to see is that data analytics is still going to be important. I think we're going to still see um, open banking is going to increase importance. Customer experience can be near the top. But I think you're going to see things such as digital transformation, while it's going to be high on the list, mm-hmm. the reality is, are we going to deploy against it? Are we truly going to transform? Or are we simply using the sound bites that the banking industry continues to do? Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge we have, is, is what we say we're going to do and what we actually do have been different for a long time. Yeah. And as we're looking at customer experience, the customer is no longer going to accept that. They know what's possible. They don't have to know what open banking is. They don't know, have to know what digital transformation is but they know what feels right, and they know what you can achieve. So when you're looking at the overall mix of things, banking is going to be in a, a position that the biggest trend is going to be, are you truly moving forward as an institution in the digital world, or are you standing pat? And the problem in the industry is the financial for the financial institution, the profitability has not changed. In fact, it's quite good. It works against the whole change factor. So culture and leadership will not necessarily adjust because they're not feeling pain. Yeah, and actually that was a really interesting piece of technology you mentioned. It was the voice-first technology. So the power of voice-first, how that interplays with consumers' lives as a whole and also the potential for an integration of that within the banking and financial services space. Can you kind of share a bit more about that? Yeah, I think one of the things we see is that the voice banking will not be something where we simply use our voice to find out balances, to find out payments that are coming up or making payments. It's really going to be proactive, where the voice is actually going to ask us how we want our day to proceed. It's going to take the, all the data in our personal cloud, and it's going to say, okay, here's your day, here's what appointment you have, here's how the, your financial holdings have changed. Do you want more information on that? Do you want to know what's happened to John Brown here going out to lunch with today, and do you really want to find out how they're transforming going forward? In addition, what we're going to find is that as you move forward, you're going to say, okay, how do I take all this and make it work together for the consumer? And how do I make it so that the consumer is going to feel what's going on and going to embrace that from the financial institution? We're going to see a large number of financial institutions go out of business but they can't adjust. They have leaders that have been built in the past Mm. that have been very successful in the past, and that profitability is going to work against that change because they're not going to feel the pain. And until that happens, it may be too late because catching up is getting harder and harder to do in an industry that's changing so quickly. Mm. Are there any examples that spring to your mind about an organization that's actually really doing this well, they're doing what they say they're going to do, and the leadership is really driving that change within the organization? I continue to use BBVA as an example because I think one difference that they have is they, they've been led by either engineers or, or technologists for the last 10 years at the very top of the organization. 
So they really are a tech company that happens to do financial services. But we're all seeing this in the Eastern Europe area. So you, you got Turkey, you got Poland, you got um, other areas, even Italy, where you see a lot of things happening. I think it's because there's a real strong innovative spirit. I think we see it in Europe because your your countries are so close together that you have mm. a competition that you can see everywhere. Yeah, and the regulations are a little bit more lenient. But that's not a good excuse. You can change if you want to. You can do all these things. You can find ways to work within regulations to provide the services needed. But I just was at the EFMA Innovation Awards, and, and the same people continue to show up as being the award winners. Mm-hmm. And what we did see is a big difference this year is the innovations this year started in this calendar year, deployed this calendar year, and they were seeing results in this calendar year. Never before have we been able to record results. Usually the process took more than a year. Mm. We're seeing that this, this timeline for innovation is happening at a much quicker pace, and those organizations are also digitally transforming themselves. When the research report for the digital banking report we did, we found that the innovation leaders are also the digital transformation leaders, mm. are also the ones that are taking new technologies and deploying them. They're also the ones that have the best customer experience scores. They're also the ones, and I'm not, I'm not going to be sure of which one's the cart and the horse, which one comes first or last, the chicken mm. or the egg, but the reality is they work in unison. Now, what's concerning is the innovation leaders represented on a self-evaluated basis, anywhere between 14 and 17 percent. 35 percent of the organizations were laggards, or they were actually fast followers. And I just talked today in my presentation that said, there's no such thing as a fast follower. You're either an innovation leader or you're a follower. We, banking industry does not do anything fast. And the problem is, the speed of change is happening so quickly that if you're, if you're a follower, that is no longer a safety zone. It's actually a, a, a recipe for failure. Yeah, by the time you're following, it's almost too late. It is. And catching up is very difficult to do. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen that with banking announcements, you know, when the new banks or fintechs integrate with, for example, Google Pay, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, different new integrations and offerings. It's become such a hygiene factor because we've heard those announcements over a year ago from some of those first innovators that now it really doesn't have the same impact when people are offering it. And and, and they may put together their own array of services that now take care of all that, but not with their traditional bank. As I mentioned on my business bank, my business bank doesn't have my relationship anymore, but they have my funds. But if PayPal was to offer depository service and have it insured, I'd probably keep all my funds there because it makes no sense to keep on transferring within. You know, I still have a challenge where I make transfers from one of my financial institutions to the other by writing a check and taking a picture of it every month because the transfer process is very difficult. Nobody catches that. Neither one of my financial institutions go, wait, this, there's a better way. Here, yeah. let's help you. I don't have time to think about it. You know, today I mentioned in my presentation that a device I thought I lost in a hotel. Yeah. I, I purchased within two seconds and it's going to be delivered tomorrow. Well, unfortunately, I found the device about five minutes later. Thank goodness it wasn't a very expensive one. Yeah. But we're in an, an immediacy mode, in an immediacy-type scenario where we want it now, we want it fast, and we're willing to pay for that mm, if it's seamless and less friction. Mm. We'll see how it goes with the banking industry. As we go, we've seen a number of banks offering those premium services, yeah. which people are willing to pay for. So it'll be really interesting to see how that continues to play out. Jim, you co-publish The Financial Brand. You write a lot of super interesting articles. Where can people go to read those? Three different ways you can find me now. As you said, I'm a co-publisher of The Financial Brand, so I publish twice a week, over 10 articles a week that are published, and we provide analysis of research that's done in the industry and then give links to that research. So 
overall, if you want to find out what's happening in the industry, the financial brand is a place to go, especially if you're a retail banker, which is what we focus on. Secondly, I publish nine digital banking reports a year. Those digital banking reports dig deep into the analysis of what's going on globally with financial institutions. Finally, two and a half months ago, I introduced um, Banking Transformed. It's a new podcast. It's available on your favorite podcast platforms. But we've done interviews, and in the last month, I, I feel pretty proud of the fact that we had interviews with... Brett King, Brian Solis, Mike Walsh, the futurist, Steve Wozniak, Brian Romelli, and uh, Sonia Wojciechowicz from DBS Bank that deployed Digibank. So we hit a number of subjects. Brilliant. Lots of really great content. I've listened to the podcast. It's super engaging. Jim, thank you so much. It's so nice to catch up with you again this year and hope to see you back on the show soon. Yeah, good to see you. And we hope to keep on engaging like this. It's great. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Global Digital Banker podcast. For more episodes, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Head to our website, globaldigitalbanker.com, and you can review all the previous episodes and subscribe on there too.